morning, good morning, good morning. I am so glad to be able to be up here this morning with you. Uh, I just spent a week uh, on the campgrounds in Missouri of Camp Sharon. Um, for those, it's, it's right, for those who don't know, it's right off the Lake of the Ozarks. It's a beautiful campground. So I just got back actually yesterday, went from Sunday to Saturday. So I'm exhausted right now. <laughs> I obviously don't have a voice. So if I fall over any point this morning, you guys can just go to lunch early, so it works out perfect for you guys. So, and hopefully my voice lasts, so I, got, I have two water bottles so I can make it through, but we're going to do this. We're going to do this. So this, uh, this month, basically, this past few weeks, we've been talking about this idea of spin, where we take a popular song or a song that you guys know on the radio or something, and we kind of find these Christian thoughts through them, and we, we, we dig into some thoughts, and, and they've been, it's been really good for me to hear some of these songs and, and to think about some, some very interesting way of looking at them and how Christ can be in the middle of some of these songs. And this sermon, this process of how I got to this morning was a huge, uh, crazy up-and-down battle. Um, I, honestly, it was hard for the past few months uh, since we figured out that we were going to do this. I could not figure out what song I wanted to do. I had an idea. I had a couple things that I, I wanted to talk about, but for the most part, it did not click until this past week in Missouri. Uh, this past week in Missouri, it really, really, really hit me hard. A few thoughts that I wanted to share with you guys this morning. God was working and working, and it was just during my free time, whether I wasn't with students, I was, I was reading and studying, and I came across a story that most of us know, um, and, and most of us have heard, and I heard, but it was at a moment this past week that I just read it over, and it, and it hit me so hard for the students at camp, and I wanted to take that and actually apply that for us as a church, a Thrive Church, and just church as a whole. So if you have your Bibles, pull it out. Pull it out, turn to Luke 19. If you have your apps, Bible apps, pull out your apps. We also have it on the screen for you. It's Luke 19, and we'll be digging in the first 10 verses of that chapter. And like I said, this, this past few months have been kind of hard trying to figure out what we're going to talk about, but the story of Jesus and Zacchaeus kind of stuck out to me. As I was reading it this week, I wanted to pick a point, pick a pick apart some of the part, some of the story. So the story goes like this: Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector in the region, and he became very rich. He tried to look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran, ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. Let me just stop right there real quick. We see Jesus entering Jericho, and it says that he's made his way through. So he's passing through this town of Jericho to eventually get to Jer- Jerusalem where we kind of see the end of his life there. And we see that he's passing this beautiful town of Jericho, which, which is a town that is so, it's so beautiful with the groves, and it smells so wonderful. And he's, and he's going through it not because of how great Jericho is. He's going, going through it because there's a man there that he needs to meet. There's a man there that he needs to meet. This man that is named Zacchaeus. And, and then Zacchaeus is a very, very interesting guy because he is a tax collector. And for those who don't know, tax collectors were one of the worst people in the, Jewish, in the Jewish community because they basically stole from their own people. They would charge a little extra and pocket the rest. For, and, and basically, Jewish people hated these guys. And it was very, very interesting that we see a story in Luke's account of Jesus where Jesus and this man that most of the people hated were meeting. 
Because I think what's cool is that Zacchaeus here is, is knows of Jesus. He knows of this man who, who is loving sinners. He's loving people that are hated. He's loving the people that are ignored. He's, he's healing them. He's doing whatever he can for people like him, like Zacchaeus here. So he just wants to go and meet him. He wants to go. He'll do whatever he can, running ahead to a tree and climbing it. It goes on to says in, in verse 5, it says, when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and he called him by name. He said, come quick down, come quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. So Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He was gone to be with the guests of Antoria Center. They grumbled. The people were displeased and, was, and they grumbled. So we kind of see Jesus in this moment answer, the, answer that question, the WWJD question, right? What would Jesus do? And he basically just said, come down, let me into your home. He invited himself into his home, which for a tax collector, to have a rabbi invite himself into the home was unheard of. That was not a thing that happened. That's why you see the people upset. You see the followers of Jesus upset. You see the people that are upset with Jesus and were against Jesus were upset. Everyone in the area that saw this was mad about it and confused. But he invited himself in and he became a part of his life. And he wrote later on, it goes, it says, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor. And Lord, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. So he's standing there in front of the Lord, expressing this, this desire to give back, desire to, to follow Jesus here. That doesn't happen. And then it finishes off just this little part. It says, Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. But the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. In the home of this notorious sinner, Jesus hears this man and tells him that salvation has come. And he says those words right there. Came to seek and save. I remember I took a class at MacU. It's called Evangelism and Discipleship. And it was about evangelism and a discipleship. And I remember the very first week, our professor wrote on the board, or actually asked us a question, what was Jesus' mission here on earth? And he asked that. And we, were like, we discussed it. We talked all of it. Some of us gave completely wrong answers. And he was like a great professor. He said, yep, those are good. But he continued to write on the board. He wrote those words. And he wrote a few other verses. And he just shared with us this mission that Jesus had while he was here. And he shared with us the things that Jesus did just real quick. And he just wanted to let us know that this is what our semester is going to look like. It's going to look like digging into what Jesus did and actually doing that with our own lives. And I remember at the very end of the class, he spent a week on this one verse. And it's a verse that, that he wanted to really nail in our heads because it, was, it took this right here and it turned it into what are we doing now. So Matthew 28, 19, when Jesus' last words of the discipleship, he tells them, therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. He's telling them, go now and make disciples. Do this mission in your, in your world. In this past week, as I uh, 
I had the chance to witness a few children, a few students give their lives to Christ, and a couple get baptized. And I thought about how each and every one of those students have had these moments and moments that led them to Christ. And I thought about that for you guys as a church. Each and every one of you guys have had a moment or moments that you had to come to Jesus at one point. For some of you guys, it was just, it was a lifetime ago. It was a while ago. And, and you guys can re- recall those moments and just that time. For some of us, it was recent. For some of us, it was just in the past five, seven, six years. But there are some that have not had that moment. And there's some that have not had that experience, that process. And my heart breaks for that. When I was at camp watching those students just go through the week and not experience what I was experiencing, not experience what the other students that, that knew Christ was experiencing, it broke my heart. It absolutely just, just devastated me. And some would call them unbelievers, non-believers. Some would call the people that are so against Christ, atheist or agnostic. But this morning, we're going to call them heathens. We're going to call them heathens. This word heathens is a very interesting word because it's not very used. It's not used very often anymore. It's mostly used uh, in other countries that are dealing with the Muslim faith or stuff like that. But in today's context, we don't use it, especially in America. But Basically, heathens, the dictionary just says it, that defines it as a heathen is a person who does not belong to a widely held religion, especially one who is not a Christian, Jew, or Muslim. And the word heathen is actually in, translated in, in Hebrew as goi or gawi, which literally means nations, nations of all the world. And in the Old Testament, we see examples of this word being used over and over and over again. And it's basically trying to distinguish between God's people of Israel and non-Jewish people that do not know God. In the New Testament, we kind of see a different word being used as being corresponded in Greek, ethnos. It's kind of where we get the word ethnic from. And it means the same thing, this idea of nations. And we, get to, we, use it, we see it in the, the Great Commission, that Matthew 28, 19, where it says, go to all of the nations. He's basically saying, go to all of the heathens. And the reason why this is important, <laughs> because as I was thinking about a song this morning for you guys, for us, there was one song that kept on coming to my head, and I actually did not want to do it when it originally first came to my mind. Just funny, because I, really, I didn't want to dig into the content that the artist digs into in this one song. Because whether, whether it was inside, I was thinking it would be too rough to talk about on a Sunday morning, or, or it was just I felt that I maybe maybe stepping on some toes in the room. I just felt like this song wasn't the right song until this past week. And listening to it again, God putting it on my heart over and over and over again as I saw students. And I just thought about the church as a whole. I needed to share it with you. So there's a song, our spin song this, uh, this morning is, is Heathens by 21 Pilots. And, and, and honestly, this morning we're going to dig into evangelism a little bit. And just the idea of, of how we can look at evangelism. We're going to look at it through this song. But here's the, here's the guys. These guys, uh, the, Tyler Joseph and Joshua Dunn. Joshua Dunn. Uh-oh. <laughs> Anyways, the guy on the right is Tyler. And he is uh, the lead singer. 
And the guy on the left, his name is Josh Dunn, he plays the drums. Um, just two guys, been doing it since 2011. Uh, they've, been doing it, they've been doing it well. Basically, they've been, uh, they've, the red makeup and, the, and, the, and all that stuff, the hair is just part of their live shows. And if you've never, their live shows are amazing. I think I have a picture of just one of the live shows that they do. It's, it is a whole experience in itself. And for the past four years, I've actually had the chance to see them a few times in concert. And I've, they've grown to be one of my favorite bands. And I've listened to every song they, they've put out. And I've listened to every song that they've, whether released on just online, um, but it was really cool. They've been doing this for a few years, and the two of them actually just were very small for the longest part in, Ohio, in Columbus, Ohio, for the longest time. And just recently, they've been doing late. They, a few years ago, they did some late night performances on on like SNL and stuff like that, and they were just starting to get really, really big. And it's been so cool to watch these guys grow into this this band that's so full of just fans everywhere. But what's cool, I think, that really what makes this band so different is the concerts are great and all, but the messages in their songs are pretty, pretty hard sometimes, but they're pretty real. But they bring so much with each song they sing. Because what's cool is that these guys, Tyler and Josh, they're Christians. They're Christians. They know Christ, and, 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 they, and they're not as vocal when it comes to them all sitting on stage and doing their thing. They're not as vocal, but, but in interviews and, and whenever they, there's a music video where they, go to their, where they go to Josh's house and on the walls of their, their home, you can see faith, you can see love, peace, and scriptures all over the walls, and, and they've done interviews where they've talked about their faith, their tattoos. The, Josh, Tyler has tattoos of a cross on his arm. And then he has three lines on his arm to represent the Trinity. And he, and, and he does these, these, they don't talk about it as much. As much as, you know, you and I would talk about it if we were probably in their shoes. But their music is so important. They sing about depression. They sing about anxiety and fears. They sing about how the darkness brings so much of the, the negative thoughts that we think about. And they, bring, they talk about how light brings hope, and all of these messages, they've encouraged me through some of the down, the down parts of my walk in the past few years, but they're not a Christian band. And I think that's a very interesting thought, that they're not a Christian band, they're not typical Christian music, but they're having these messages. There's some of the messages aren't typical Christian messages either. I had a friend of mine just basically say, it's simply, it's music made from Christians. It's a very interesting way to look at it. And it's very obvious when you listen to them. Um, but, and before, I'm about to play you the song. Before I do, I just want to express, I, I kind of give this, always, every time I talk about this band, every time I talk about the lyrics, I always, think, I always talk about how um, each person that listens to the songs usually finds something different in the, in the music. Um, there's a lot of times in their music that is kind of surface level and that you can dig into it or you can just take it as it is. And it's so cool that if what I hear might be different than what you hear this morning, or as you listen, if you want to listen to them more, you might hear something different than what I do. But I think it's cool. And it's kind of like a book that we read, kind of like a holy book that we read that if I pick it up, you guys are reading something different than I am. Or you guys need it at a certain point in your life. And I think Tyler, and they do that on purpose. Because I believe that, and I'm about to show you the song, but I believe that they're seeking and saving those who are lost. And I believe we can get something from it. So let's play it. It's no. 
So, why this song? <laughs> a little background of this song. It was uh, released last summer for uh, the movie Su Su Suicide Squad. It was the lead song. So if you were interested in comic book movies, or you, especially the DC movies, this was a big one last year. And it basically, this, the quick synopsis is basically this idea of the bad guys were recruited. Um, there was a team of villains and bad guys that were recruited to take on a bigger ba bad guy, um, basically just to reduce their prison sentence. And on the surface, the, the song is perfect on, for, this, for this type of movie um, because it's talking about the bad guys and it's talking about all this stuff. But Tyler Joseph, the, the, the lead singer, wrote, said this about the song. He says, I was writing the song. I was like, I want this song to be a 21 Pilots song first. And I want it to resonate with our fans and make sense at our show. Even though the theme in the movie inspired the beginning of it, 
as the lyrics came together and as the song came together, I realized this was our song. And this morning, I, I want to look at this idea of evangelism in a whole other way, or at least in a small, different way. And I believe that this song is our song when it comes to that. So I was thinking about um, some of the words and thinking about some of the, the song in just this past week and my experience with students and my experience with just people in general. And the first thing, if we're gonna, if we're gonna look at evangelism in a whole nother way or at least in a different way for some of us, the first thing is that they have to trust us. They have to trust us. And, and to me, that's, 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 such a, that's such an obvious thing to think about in my life. Um, but it's so missed a lot of times. There's a line in the, in the song that basically says, welcome to the room of people who have rooms of people that they loved one day and then docked away. The pronouns used in this song is so important because whenever I listen to their songs, I kind of figure out who's it talking to? Who's, it, who's the audience here? What's, who's it being talked about? Who's it being said to? And when, I listen, when you read this song and, and you kind of look at the lyrics, he's singing to this group of people and he's singing to this, to this room of people and he's telling them that each person in this room have these rooms or have these groups of people that they've loved, whether it's for a short time or not, whether it's one day or two days, whatever it was, and then they never went back to that, per- went back to that room. They never went back to the, that person or that, those people. For some of you guys, that's the only thing you guys need to hear this morning, and that's why I wanted to make sure it was my first point, because we have people that you guys have loved and you guys did a great job of loving. Maybe it's not you, maybe it's just the church as a whole, but then we just leave them. At camp, I get to be, so I get to be a counselor at camp, which basically means I wake up in the morning, I get them all up, and we just go through our day, we go through breakfast, and then we have like games, and we just hang out with them, I basically entertain them, I make sure they don't get bored. I debrief, after the worship, we debrief what's going on, like the messages and what they got out of it. So this whole long journey, every single day, getting up and going to, getting up early and going to sleep late. And I've been doing this actually the past four years at this campground in, in, in Missouri. And the, the, it's crazy to think how much impact I can make in five days with some of these students. And just, it's crazy to think that I walk in as a complete stranger and I have the opportunity to do something cool. And, and I have this five days basically to get them interested in hearing about how, what God's done in my life. And then hopefully in, within five days I have a chance of, of expressing some of um, what it means to have a relationship with Christ for those who don't. And I have to do this within five days most of the time. And I have to get to that point. And some of the relationships go past the five days and it's really cool. But for the most part, I, I, I go into my week thinking how can I make an impact for just the little time that I do have. And it's cruel that this band, um, this 21 Pilots, they started in Columbus, Ohio and then in, in a basement concert, basically, they, they went, and they, now they're playing in stadiums all across the world. But they knew they wouldn't go far with their, with their, in their journey if they did not get the ones around them, the fans that knew them very early on, they didn't, if they didn't get them to understand what they were doing. They didn't understand who they were or what they were about. 
if you if you read into this in this in this band, which I've done for years, and you listen to some of the the response from the fans and the reasons why people love them so much, yes, they put on a great show. They, they yes, they they are great guys, but for the most part, the overwhelming response. If you ask a fan of Twenty One Pilots why they love them, it's just simply they are real. They are real. The way they, they play their music is so real. The way they come across interviews is real and it's authentic and the way they perform and they give it their all. It is so real. They have a line that they always say over and over again, whether they're talking about um, their music videos or their songs or their concerts, they always talk about how it's yours. They always say it to the fans. He says, you guys ready for your show tonight? And or we're releasing a, one of your a new song for you, or it, just the way they they're constantly going at it and, and wanting to make sure the fans know that they are real about their 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 project here. So this morning, if you're asking yourself, how do I get the ones around me? How do I look at evangelism in a new way? How do I get those to actually believe and to trust me enough to share Christ with them? I simply just just you have to be real, just be real and authentic. Be real and authentic in the way you show love. Relationships are tricky. Relationships are absolutely tricky. And the hardest things that we have to do every single day is deal with people. It's hard. I know. It's, it's, it's something that, especially as, a, as, a, as, a, as being a part of a church, having to deal with people is so interesting because there's so many people that don't know God, that they don't trust God because of the church, because of the people inside the, the church, or whatever it is but they don't trust us sometimes. Because if me, if I were to walk into the cabin with these, with, these, with these students and I don't become real with them and I don't show them who I really am and if I'm not authentic, they will tear me apart. They will absolutely tear me apart. They will ignore me. They will, they will not want anything to do with me the rest of the week. I, so I get these few days of loving them and if I'm not real and I don't genuinely mean it with them, I, have to, I'm, I'm, I leave them, and I just have a room of people that I loved one day. And the song keeps going, though. In the second verse, it says, it says uh, we don't deal with outsiders very well. They say newcomers have a certain smell. It says you have trust issues, not to mention, I don't think I put that, but they can smell your intentions. We don't deal with outsiders very well. They said newcomers have a certain smell. I hate to say this, but that is the church sometimes. That is the church sometimes. I mean, how many of us, if we were to be put in, the, in, the, in, in that story of Luke 19 next to Jesus and, and Zacchaeus is, is on a tree and Jesus tells him to come down, how many of us would be upset with Jesus sometimes? Why are you talking to this man? Why are you inviting yourself into his house. Why? But I believe that this concept of trust and showing real authentic love is so important. John writes in this, and, and, and John writes in his account of Jesus, and he basically just, it's right before Jesus is telling, Paul, uh, telling Peter that he was going to deny him three times. And he gives him this command. He says, I command you, I'll give you a new one. It says, basically, love one another as I have loved you. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. 
Everyone will know that you are my disciple, that you are a disciple of Jesus if you love one another. And that's real love that we're talking about this morning. So we've got to get people to trust us. We've got to get people to trust us by being real with them. Because what happens is once they, once they trust us, once they trust me with these students, they become curious. They become curious and they want to see some change. They are open to change around them. They want, they ask questions. They ask questions that, that they would not have asked if they, didn't, if they didn't fully trust me. They begin to notice something different in you. In the chorus, you've heard it in that song a lot. It says, basically says, all my friends are heathens, take it slow and wait for them to ask you who you know. Please don't make any sudden, sudden moves. You don't know the half of the abuse. Tyler here is singing as a fellow Christian. He's singing because he knows <laughs> so many of his friends are unbelievers. So many of his fans and his followers are unbelievers. He knows. And he's warning us. And he's warning us. And he's telling us this very important line. Basically, he says, wait for them to ask you who you know. Don't make any sudden movements. Don't, don't push it. Don't, don't rush it. Because in this idea of evangelism, if we're going to take this idea and, and do something different with this, I want us to get that this transition that the lost and the ones far from God need to trust us and they need to understand that it's okay to ask us questions and it's okay to be curious. It's okay to doubt it because that was us. That was me. That was me growing up. Once I figured out kind of this idea of of who God was based off my youth pastor, I asked questions and I got curious and I wanted more. I wanted more. That's how I got into this band basically too. That's how I got into this band. I basically listened to one song my friend uh, that I graduated with or he graduated a little before me. He showed me this uh, band and, and he showed me this song Screen. Basically it mentions this idea. It says, while you're doing fine, there's some people and I we have a really tough time getting through this life, so excuse us while we sing to the sky. I realized that he was talking about God. And I realized that, that after a few, I've heard it, I listened probably three or four times, and I realized he was talking about God in this song. And I was, and I was curious, what other songs do you, did he have that talked about God? And I quickly found out there was a lot of them. There was a lot of them. And there was a lot of them that if you just listened to the first time, you didn't understand any of it as far as God. But then you listen to it again, and you begin to ask questions. What does he mean by that? What did he, talk, what did he say about that? I wanted more, and I wanted more. This, this past week. So sorry I keep talking about this past week, but it was just this, this, this sermon, this message came from this past week. And it came from this one student. There, there was a student that this other counselor and I got really close with. Um, she came from a crazy home, and she uh, she didn't really uh, have a lot of friends. You can kind of see that from the very beginning when she first walked in. But her biological mom uh, did the drugs while she was pregnant with her, and just did and, the, and just through her whole life, she just made bad mistakes. But she actually ended up having her a couple months early than what she was supposed to, because if she didn't, she probably would have died. And after living in a foster in a few foster homes the past 10 years, her and her twin just got adopted by a family in Missouri. 
And it was cool. By, by, by a pastor and his wife, uh, these people of churches, and they, they adopted these two girls. And they're very, very sweet girls, but you can see the damage that their, that their life has made on them, especially on this one. She was very, very quiet. She didn't really get a lot of friends. She had issues. Um, she started acting up a little bit at the beginning of the week. And so we kind of, me and the, me and my another counselor, Katie, kind of just made sure because she was in her cabin, and we made sure that we kind of paid more little attention to her, just make sure that she was okay. And I got, I got pretty close to her. She's, she's, they write letters throughout the day. And, and I remember at one lunch, she just wrote a letter, just basically just made fun of something I did. But, 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 I, but she, wrote, so she wrote a letter to me, which was cool. Uh, and on Friday, as the worship band was kind of giving their response songs and the, the last few of their set, she walked in the back and grabbed me and Katie. And we sat down by the altars in the back. And she just basically said that she wanted to feel God all the time. And she asked us, she said, how is that, is, that, is that possible to feel what everyone else is feeling when I go home? Is it possible to feel like this every day? And we sat back in the room with her, and we talked, and we ended up leading her to have a relationship with Christ. And it was so cool just to see the questions, or to hear the questions she was asking, the things she was saying. It was so amazing. She was curious. And she knew that something needed to change. And it wouldn't have happened. None of those questions would have been asked. None of the things would have been said if she didn't trust me. If she didn't trust me enough with this, 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 the, her anger and her depression that she told me about, she wouldn't have told me all of this if I, didn't, if I didn't love her and be real with her. Wait for them to ask you who you know. Please don't make any sudden movements. You don't know the half of the views. It might not be a few days, like I had the beautiful opportunity. It might be a few years for some of you guys, but I encourage those right now in this room that are thinking about the people that are far from God, that are lost, the heathens in your lives. For some of you guys, you guys know their stories, but some of you guys, you don't know half of their story. And I encourage you guys this morning to be willing to wait to be, for them to be curious. Wait for them to ask questions because when they do, it is so worth it. And that means you have to be in it more than just a day. And that you have to be that real with them. Because what's cool is when they start asking those questions, they start to seek the change in their lives. They want to change something. Then they find God. Because when you search for him, you'll find him. You know that. And they will, they, will, they will find God. And for some, they don't, they don't follow after that, but for some, they do. And that's when it gets good, right? That's when it gets good. That's when the heavens are celebrating, they're cheering, they're excited because that's when it gets good. That's whenever for you guys in the church, you guys are living out that mission that Jesus was here for. He came to seek and save those who are lost. And you guys, get, you guys have the opportunity to walk into a house of a tax collector. And you get to speak the words that Jesus spoke. You get to help bring salvation to those that are sitting next to you. The psychopaths, the murderers, the weird ones, the heathens, the freak shows, all of them, the ones sitting next to you. You have the opportunity to change their lives. There's a story I found of, um, well, most of us would know it, of a, of a saint, of St. Patrick. 
It's really cool one that I actually didn't even know until I read into it. But it says, as a young boy, Patrick lived a very comfortable life near an English coastal city where his father was a deacon in the church. But at the age of 16, his comfortable life unraveled. Irish pirates attacked his village, abducting Patrick and many of his household servants. And after arriving in Ireland, Patrick was sold as a slave to the Druid tribal chieftain who forced Patrick to work a herd of pigs and have a very uncomfortable and awful life. For six years, he served as a slave. Eventually, after six years, he escaped and boarded a boat and found his way back home. And at long last, after six years of being a slave, he was back on British soil, warmly embraced by his family and his community. And in his own mind, Patrick was done with Ireland for good. But God changed Patrick's heart through this dramatic dream. It said that Patrick knew that God had called him to return to Ireland, this place that he was a slave, but to return not as a slave, but as a herald of the gospel to the very people that treated him so awfully. And it said that Patrick used his own money and he purchased a boat and sailed back to Ireland. And his strategy was to basically to convert kings and convert them, convert them to Christ, to bring them to Christ, because he knew that if he converted a king, his people would follow. And eventually the kings would, would convert him and they'd give their sons to Patrick and he did it and he educated them and trained them in the ways of the Lord so that they could train the, get to the slaves. And he persuaded so many into ministry and he actually spent his life, the rest of his life, preaching the gospel in Ireland where he planted 700 churches, led many people to Christ and baptized over 100,000 people. He went back to where he was a slave these people that treated him so terribly because he knew that's where God has called him to. This morning we have something to do some, we have some we have a chance to do something amazing. We have a chance to partner with Christ in his mission to save and seek those who are lost. And it's so cool. So I encourage you guys as you guys think about what it means to be an evangelist for Christ for those who've never had that thought before would you guys have that chance to and it's simply, it just starts with trusting. Them trusting you. Be a person that they can trust. Be a person that they, that they can ask questions when they're curious. And that they, they can ask you things and you can help them get to a point where they're seeking God because that's when it gets amazing.